Paid for by The David Pollitt Show, LLC. Seems Florida is a popular place to live these days, but do you know who is not feeling the effects of limited home inventory? Bugs. That's right. As popular as Florida is for people, pests like it even more, which is why I recommend pest control, termite treatment, and fertilization from Protex. With over 40 years of experience, their fully licensed, bonded, and insured team utilize state-of-the-art products and techniques to maintain a pest-free home. But that's not all. They also also provide the highest quality fertilization and pond management services so you can have a green yard and not a green pond. So if you want to keep your lawn green and your home bug free, call Protex today at 407-542-0044 or visit them online at protexlawn.com. That's P-R-O-T-E-X lawn.com. David Pollock here. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for more information on any of our sponsors, or perhaps you want to hear a replay of a past show, make sure to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. There, you'll also find our latest articles, links to our social media, and opportunities to become a sponsor yourself. So remember to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I don't want you to protest, I don't want you to ride, I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad! Wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. Wait a minute, I tell you. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Welcome to the David Pollock Show. I'm Welcome to a special September 11th version of the David Pollock Show. This morning was like most Monday mornings for me. I woke up, uh, began preparing for my show. I downloaded some audio clips. I printed some stories about Iowa and Biden's trip to Vietnam. I spent some time going through my socials where I thumbed past some personal stories from 9-11, hit like, and I scrolled past. Then there was this moment. I was outside having coffee, and I heard an airplane passing. I paused, and I remembered a promise, a promise that we all made after 9-11-2021, a promise that America would never forget. We promised to never forget the stories, the faces, and the memories of those who, lo- who we lost. We promise to remember the first responders standing hopelessly in front of a pile of rubble, their eyes visible only through the tears that washed away the ash. It was at this moment where I stopped scrolling. I began reading each of the many messages of remembrance. I took the time to watch some of the videos showing planes striking the Twin Towers. I even watched a few showing the buildings disappear from the New York skyline, their silhouettes remaining in the towering plumes of smoke. If not for a serendipitous sound of an airplane passing across the sky, I might have broken my promise. This morning, I almost forgot. That's because I wasn't thinking about New York. 
I was thinking about New Mexico, where last week the governor unilaterally canceled the Second Amendment, citing a public health emergency, which is surely a sign of things to come. I wasn't thinking about the Pentagon or Shanksville. I was thinking about how the White House staff abruptly ended an event with President Biden in Vietnam after another concerning moment of confusion. After 22 years, I almost forgot. Because today, America is threatened by a new extremist ideology. Perhaps one even more hateful and destructive than before, as they seek not to merely terrorize our nation, but instead they fight to ensure that she is fundamentally transformed. Already they've carried out attacks on our family units, our communities, our elections, our schools, even our justice system. They've even sought to destroy the Constitution itself. What better example than to see some of the heroes of 9-11 indicted under RICO charges in Georgia. Folks like Rudy Giuliani, as you remember, America's mayor, who led New York through 9-11. He's been indicted on RICO charges in Georgia, as well as tonight's guest, Reverend Stephen Lee, who came to be known as the Ground Zero Chaplain for his work with first responders after 9-11. We're going to hear from him in just a moment. But as we face this new threat, we must remember that promise, that solemn oath, that pledge to the fallen that we'd carry this nation forward to a place worthy of their sacrifice. On this 9-11, maybe it's time we renew our pledge to never forget. Let us once again rise from the ashes of division, respect each other, and stand in honor of our brothers and sisters who, regardless of their politics, were laid to rest under the same star-spangled flag. After all, we promised we'd never forget. Have you? So I want to get right to it. Tonight we're remembering 9-11 because Joe Biden can't. I have Jeff, Jeff Adams in the studio again, the owner of Revivalist Media. He's helping the Dave Pollock Show get to the next level, so I'm happy to have you here. Thank you, Jeff. And I also want to welcome a special guest tonight, Reverend Stephen Lee. As I mentioned in the show open, he's known as the Ground Zero Chaplain for his work with first responders following 9-11. He's also one of the 18 co-defendants in the Georgia Rico case targeting Trump. And that's all we're going to mention about this, other than where you can send money to him to help him out in his defense. But these are the people that Fannie Willis considers criminals, heroes from 9-11, except in Fannie's prosecutor's office. They're enemies of the state to her. Well, I want to welcome Reverend Lee to the show. Welcome to the David Pollack Show, Reverend. Thank you, David. It's an honor to be on your show. And thank you so much for being here. I want to just get right into it. Um, You have been... Uh, known as the Ground Zero Chaplain, you worked with our first responders at first responders at a time where they needed you the most. Can you tell us some of the stories about um, the aftermath of 9/11 and how you helped those heroes? Well, it uh, fits in with the, the work I've done for decades. Uh, really, I came out of a career in law enforcement, both local and federal, and then went to seminary and uh, became a pastor. And uh, even while at seminary, I I started law enforcement chaplaincy. As part of that, I would respond uh, to uh, crises. And then after seminary, um, starting with Columbine High School, I I, uh, responded to what are called uh, major critical incidents of national significance. Uh, Columbine, 9-11, Katrina, uh, many, many shootings uh, around the country, Virginia Tech, uh, just too many to name right now. Uh, and and uh, with, uh, with, um, with uh, the hotel shooting in, in, uh, in, um, in Las Vegas um, also. So yeah, with 9-11, uh, it happened on a Tuesday. And um, of course, uh, 
civil aviation got shut down. I was out in San Jose with my family at the time. And I spent the first two or three days with the United Airlines Flight 93 crisis team up at San Francisco International Airport because that was the destination airport of um, Flight 93 from Newark. And uh, then on Friday uh, following 9-11, United put me on one of their first flights out to Newark. And then I began work uh, with the ATF. I was an ATF chaplain, a federal chaplain, and also worked with – uh, FEMA, and also worked with the what are called the USAR teams, the urban search and rescue teams <clears throat> that were staging out of the Jacob Javits Center in uh, Midtown Manhattan on along the Hudson River. There, coordinated their their chaplaincy uh, 24/7, so the workers would have somebody to talk to, and then was part of the team that uh, recovered the Ground Zero Cross. I don't know if you got the pictures I emailed you of the Ground Zero Cross. Recovery. I did. I did. Those are those are great pictures. I'll provide them up to our uh, listeners on on the website a little bit later. Um, yeah, everybody okay. remembers that Ground Zero Cross, and it was just a, a, a sign from God that you know uh, we would be okay. Uh, I want to know from you uh, what it was like, um, you know, being with those people, what they were experiencing, because I know we we've seen a lot of the images, we've heard a lot of the stories, but what was it like mentally for um, those guys who were out there? Uh, in the recovery right after the attack? Well, I, when I do the work that I do, I, I call it the worm's eye view uh, because it's not like a media you know, shot from a helicopter. It's down one-on-one, a lot of the work. Give you an example from Ground Zero. I had some workers come up to me uh, one evening and said, you know, that there was a young lady who <clears throat> was from Colombia. She was an immigrant, and she had uh, – gotten a dream job working with uh, one of the equipment, uh, heavy equipment uh, uh, companies and wound up working ground zero. And her job was to go around oiling machinery. And um, she had been walking around and saw something on the ground. And she reached down and and picked it up. And it was the inside of half a human face. Mm. And obviously very traumatized by that. And I spent... uh, some hours uh, talking to that young lady and, and uh, talking with her and praying with her and encouraging her. Another gentleman, um, he was part of the uh, team at the Jacob Javits Center, the USAR teams. He was part of a mapping unit. He worked national forest. He'd been out in the, in the forest his whole professional life, and then he found himself at 16 acres of ground zero doing mapping stuff, and what he saw down there really traumatized him. And uh, myself and one other chap, and we walked around that big uh, convention center and talked with him and prayed with him. And and he wound up staying. He was going to go home, but he wound up staying, kept him in the fight. Um, one worker, and then this will be the last illustration of what you're asking about. There's a worker going into the Red Cross Respite Center, and they have a washdown area. And uh, there he found a human tooth in the sole of his boot and had to get that out of there. Just lots of things. They had the morgue tents. They had uh, parts of human bodies that were recovered. They were handled reverentially, um, and uh, it was it was it was rough. And that cross at Ground Zero, uh, that's in the 9/11 Museum today, uh, that I was privileged to be part of the recovery. Of that that represents that kind of gospel hope in the midst of all of that sort of thing. Now, there would definitely, um, and thank you for sharing those stories, and, and there was no shortage today. I mean, you can basically can turn on any television, you can listen to any radio show, you can open up your social media. There's no shortage of stories illustrating the horror, um, what was 9-11, and, and we all remember the promise uh, that we would never forget, like I mentioned in the show open. 
I want to bring things to 2023. And, you know, here we are. There's heroes like you, like I mentioned, that were there on 9-11 helping this country recover. And um, I don't want to dwell on this moment, but what is it like? Now, for our listeners, you have been um, indicted uh, with Donald Trump and the 18 other co-defendants in Fulton County, Georgia. And um, I'm going to give a I want to give you an opportunity to ask our listeners um, to donate to your defense. But what is it like in America right now where people like you, people like Rudy Giuliani, people who were heroes, uh, public servants, people who have helped people in their own life, finding themselves um, in the crosshairs of what has become a very political world and a political society in on 9-11 in the face of everything we've overcome? What is it like to look back to 2001 and see where we are right now. What are your thoughts about where we are as a nation in the aftermath of 9/11, 22 years later? Well, one of the one of the things I, I really saw post 9/11, and for instance, driving into Ground Zero to work a shift, and having the people hold up American flags and and even uh, you know giving thumbs up and cheers, uh, you know, for the workers going on in. And it's in the midst of that horrible devastation, uh, the the tragedy really pulled the country together. And it bothers me how the country is being torn apart. Um, our our motto is uh, e pluribus unum, uh, out of many one. And yes, we are a diverse nation. Yes, we, we have pride in that. But uh, we should all be able to gather around some basic principles. And... Um, I'm all about principles. I'm not about the politics of the stuff uh, that's that's going on. But I see principles uh, being violated, uh, principles being ignored, principles being demonized even. And it, that's a tragedy. I wish the country and people of good intent everywhere could uh, remember the principles that, that made the country great and rally around those, both in terms of constitutional principles as well as Christian principles. Or, you know, faith principles uh, around divinely given natural law, you know, uh, uh, love others as uh, you would be loved, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, Ten Commandments, um, not hurting people, being respectful. Um, that's, I, I wish we had had that. I was talking today, <clears throat> every 9-11 anniversary, I talked to you, a couple of really dear friends who were part of the crew that got the cross out in, in, at Ground Zero. And today I talked to Danny, and I, Danny Collins and Claude Whitehack and, and we always, uh, it's a special time and we revisit the, the, the trauma of that, but also find comfort in talking with one another and I pray with them. And it is, it's, it's a sad time. I, I, I pray that this country gets pulled together. Um, and I'm willing to, I trust the Lord. I don't trust circumstances. Whatever happens, happens. I trust the Lord. But uh, for the country's benefit, I, I pray that uh, we can pull together. And so in in, in your defense, um, there is a, a gifts and go. And um, can you talk about that a little bit if people want to help, um, help you as you've helped so many um, in your defense in, in Georgia? Well, one of the, one of the really... Uh, nice things uh, in a terrible situation is that uh, I've got a great team of folks that are helping out and they've set up a, it's called a give, send, go. It's all one word, give, send, go.com forward slash 
Chaplin Lee, Chaplin, C-H-A-P-L-A-I-N, givesendgo.com forward slash Chaplin Lee. And if they want to donate to the, my legal defense fund, they can do so. And I would, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, if you're, if you're listening, you've heard um, the great work um, that, that Reverend Lee has done. Um, and look, he is fighting still alongside all of us um in betterment of this nation so i would encourage you to go and give if you can um and help get this country back on track to where we're supposed to be um reverend lee thank you so much for being a part of the david pollock show i wish you the best of luck and thank you so much for everything you did um on 9 11 22 years ago our country is grateful thank you thank you david uh thanks for letting me uh come on your show here it was it was my my honor thank you sir All right, guys, we are, uh, you know, going to shift gears a little bit. Um, we really appreciate Reverend Lee coming on the show, sharing some of his stories. But here, but here's the thing. I, I, I don't, 9-11 was a tough day for a lot of people. And there was a lot of you listening who have their own stories and experiences. We all know people relate, were there at the event. Maybe we lost some people. Um, the important thing is not that we relive the trauma, but never forget. That is the pledge that we made. And the reason why we don't forget is so we can learn and move forward. And the one thing that I think is important that we never forget um, is how that we can be united as a nation, once again, as Reverend Lee said. But unfortunately, we're not in a place to be united right now. And if you need any more proof of that, just take a look around the country. Every opportunity, politicians, especially on the left, seem to take to show on how divided, in fact, we are. And if we aren't divided nat naturally, they take it upon themselves to create that division. Even in the Republican Party right now, we have Republican hopefuls that want to be president. Uh, it's tearing our country apart. Um, one perfect example is this feud between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. Here's a governor of Florida. I've talked about this before. I wish he would have ran his campaign a little bit differently. Um, I wish he would have um, run alongside Trump uh, like Vivek Ramaswamy has done. He didn't, but it doesn't matter because here we, here's where we are right now. On one side, we have the Republicans who are most likely to be nominating President Trump to run against Joe Biden. And then the other hand, we have Joe Biden. Now, I don't know if you guys have been uh, following his trip to Vietnam, but I think you should have seen recently um, where he was at a Medal of Honor ceremony. And he, right after he pins the medal, uh, he, he walks off stage. <laughs> this was before uh, the benediction, before the ceremony was over. He's pinning the, the medal. People are applauding. And he literally walks off stage and walks out of the room. Everybody was confused. In his, de in, in his defense, in his defense, he was going to get ice cream, by well, the way. Yeah. That was one of the stories. The other story that came out of it was he didn't want to get, uh, to expose anybody to COVID. And so he was trying to be cautious. This is what the White House came up with after. I've got COVID. I've got to go get some ice cream over here. Right, right. So he left because he didn't want to give anybody COVID. But even though he was breathing uh, down the captain's neck when he was putting the metal, I think he just didn't. 
And as he was walking out, he was almost acting like they were applauding for him. It was very bizarre. And the White House even cut the feed. Like, it was weird. Before the ceremony was over, the White House cut the feed. If you go to my social media on Twitter or X or whatever, at the, at the Pollock Show, you'll see. The White House's official version of that, they just cut the feed. Smart. They're smart. like, we don't know what to do. But that's not the last time this happened. Now, Biden's, Biden's been in Vietnam, and he's struggling there, too. Um, there's a couple of cuts I have, and I just want to go—this is going to be cut eight, Gabe— and this is uh, Joe Biden speaking, forgetting who's speaking at, at G20. Go ahead. And I particularly want to thank Prime Minister Modi and the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salam. So, excuse me, Mohammed bin Salam and uh, President von der Leyen and the European commissions. And since it's, uh, he's not speaking today, uh, I wanted to, well, maybe he is speaking today. I had a note he wasn't speaking at any rate. Mind you, this is President Biden in front of the world leaders trying to convince them to get behind the United States and their efforts uh, to go after Russia and Ukraine and basically like, you know, say, brush your bat. And you know what? Nobody did it. We're like, we're not getting behind you, dude. There's no No. way. But it doesn't end there. Then he's in Vietnam trying to forge new bonds, uh, you know, to compete against China. Um, Gabe, this is going to be cut 11. And, And let's hear let's hear a little bit of that. Great tribes of America back on the reservation. And he's standing in the Union, so he's at roll arms. Was he in the bathroom or something? No, he's speaking. And there's three or four Indians in headdresses and the Union soldiers. The Union soldiers basically saying, (laughs) We'll take care of it. Everything will be good. And the Indian scout, the Indian looks at John Wayne and points to the Union soldier and says, He's a lion dog faced pony soldier. (laughs) <laughs> there was a lot of lion dog face pony stories out there about, about global warming. Like, but not anymore. Listen. All of a sudden, I realize it, it's a problem. <laughs> the and whisper is back. And, uh, I don't know what he's talking about. He's trying to tell a story about how we're talking about global warming now and, and dog face lying pony soldiers or whatever. The, that I, Look, guys, th- how do you <laughs> – does anybody feel confident on the world stage – uh, behind Biden at this point. Absolutely and look, not. I don't want to beat a dead horse here or, or beat a lying pony face, pony soldier horse, whatever. Um, it got so bad that he got cut off. But this is what I told you. The White House has been protecting him. Just like when he walked away from that Medal of Honor ceremony here, he gets cut off by his own people yet again. This is cut 10, Gabe. Go ahead. He may have a game plan. He just hasn't shared it with me. But I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, we talked. Somebody's shouting talked questions about, at him. We talked about at the conference overall. We talked about stability. We talked about making sure that the third world, the uh, excuse me, third world, world. the uh, the. the uh, the Southern Hemisphere had access. <laughs> Which he to thinks the entire access. Southern Hemisphere is the third world. Listen. You heard that? He's still talking. This is the President of the United States of America who is talking. And his people said, oh, that, and that's it, guys. We're good. How long are we going to protect this president, this is becoming a serious issue. The world is paying attention. The White House cannot cut 
keep cutting feeds and pretending everything is okay. So instead of talking about something that's clearly going on cognitively with Joe Biden, we're talking about Trump indictments and all kinds of nonsense distracting from a very serious national security threat. And here on the anniversary of 9-11, when Joe Biden's in Alaska because he can't be in front of people on a day as important as this, they put him in Alaska. I guess the beach uh, this time of year is nice. I'm going fly fishing. That's, yeah, yeah. Huh. So ice cream in Alaska. Salmon ice cream. Anyway, he's in Alaska, right? Letting his surrogates do things. You cannot keep him hidden from the public. And on a day like today when our southern border is wide open and terrorists are flooding across with poison from the Mexican cartels, do we remember? Are we remembering 9-11? Have we forgotten the southern border is open, and the president has no idea what's going on, and the White House is covering up a clear cognitive decline. So, our best hope is election in 2024, because Kamala Harris is waiting in the wings. And, uh, I, you know, I don't even want to play out how that would go. So we have to look to 2024. Maybe they can keep him on whatever substances they find in the White House. Maybe they can keep him going until 2024. And then who might be president? But actually, before I get into that, Gavin Newsom, and I don't have a clip of this. I, I wish I would have. Uh, Gavin Newsom has been continually denying that he's running for president. And here's what I know from watching politics throughout the years. The more often a politician says they're not running, the more likely they are. And every time Biden struggles, you see Gavin Newsom out there on some national show, and they're asking him, are you going to run for president? The other day, he says, no, 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 no. I respect uh, Kamala Harris. She is the rightful heir of this presidency. So you know conversations are being had right. behind the scenes. You know this conversation has occurred for him to be out there having to deny it and talking about Kamala Harris. And there was a, a clip the other day, Kamala Harris was talking. She says, I'm ready to lead if asked. They made it seem when um, when Jill got, Dr. Jill got COVID again after her 17th booster. Uh, when she got COVID again, uh, Kamala Harris was asked and, and they tried to make it seem like it had something to do with COVID. Yeah, I'm ready to step in if necessary. Since when does the vice president have to step in if the president gets COVID? So clearly conversations are happening. They're cutting the feed. Something is going on there. And here's what I think. And then and then we'll, after the break, I'll, I'll bring up the uh, Republican hopefuls. But I, I tell you what's going on here. Gavin Newsom isn't going to come out and say, you know what, I'm going to run. He's running out of time to actually file to run. But conventions are a funny thing when you're a Democrat because when you have super delegates and delegates, they if the if President Biden, let's say he gets the most delegates or maybe he gets a lot of the delegates and he's the, he's presumptively going to be the nominee. If he becomes incapacitated and unable to serve, well, now we have a convention where we're going to have to figure out where those delegates go. Right. Gavin Newsom is getting ready for that. I believe it. I've said it before. I'm predicting now Joe Biden cannot in this state of health cannot be the nominee for the Democrats in 2024. They know it. And I'll talk about the polling after the break that suggested even CNN is sounding the alarm. So they're going to have to figure out something fast because I'm going to tell you what Trump is leading the pack. We'll talk about that after the break. I'm going to show you some new polls. It has him ahead of every single one of his uh, challengers for the primary. And it even has him ahead of Joe Biden. 
which goes against the argument that Republicans are making forever, that he can't win in a head-to-head against Joe Biden. Well, you know what? The polls are suggesting he can. Democrats are freaking out. Republicans are freaking out. We're getting to a point here, guys, where the Democrats are going to have to make some decisions. So stay tuned on that. Guys, we're going to go to a quick break, and we come back more on this. With today's economic environment, it's never been more important to secure your hard-earned wealth for you and your family's future. FinSec Life works to offer industry-leading customer service to help successful individuals and businesses protect their wealth. Whether it's a business succession plan, estate liquidity, or a variety of life and long-term care policies, FinSec Life can help deliver peace of mind, knowing that if something happens, you or your company is taken care of. Visit FinSecLife.com. That's F-I-N-S-E-C Life.com. Securities offered through Valmark Security, Inc., member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Valmark Advisors, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. FinSec Life is a separate entity from Valmark Securities, Inc. and Valmark Advisors, Inc. Are you an insurance agent or property manager looking for a reliable and accurate property inspection? Floridian Property Consultants specializes in citizens insurance packages and replacement cost appraisals so you can get bound quickly, easily, and accurately. FPC's experienced inspectors will make sure each assessment meets all the insurance carrier standards while ensuring that you don't pay for more than you need. Work with a company that respects your time and budget as much as you do. Visit online at FloridianPropertyConsultants.com. That's FloridianPropertyConsultants.com. Someday, yeah, put it together and we'll get it undone. Someday when you hit it much lighter. Welcome back to the David Pollock Show, special 9-11 edition. Uh, before we get back into it, I need to remind you guys, if you haven't already done so, go get yourself some Beard Vet coffee. I told you, if you go to beardvet.com and you put in the promo code David, you get 10% off. So what are you waiting for? The energy of this show is due to my excellent Beard Vet coffee. But remember, they don't just sell coffee. They sell beard oils and grooming products because it's called Beard Vet. They sell apparel, mugs, and tumblers. But the coffee is excellent. Some of the best I had. Fresh, um, good stuff, and they donate a portion of the pro- proceeds to uh, veteran and first responder causes. So, I mean, come on. Why not do business with them? So make sure you go to BeardVet.com, put in promo code DAVID, 10% off, and be fueled like the David Pollock Show. All right, getting right back into it. I told you I'd talk about these polls. So check out these recent polls, guys. All right? This is, and I want to show you the trend. This is between August 30th and September 5th, Okay. Biden is actually over DeSantis, 37 to 35. Trump, 44 to Biden, 38. That is a big deal, guys, right? Here's what we're talking about. A extreme likelihood, because <laughs> you know how awful polling usually is, that if Trump and Biden were to have a head-to-head, Trump would become the winner. Now, again, of course, they always said DeSantis is a better candidate. I think he's sabotaging himself on the campaign trail with a really bad campaign. But let's see how Trump is doing against uh, some of his rivals, okay? Uh, in a re- according to Iowa, because remember, they put everything— in Iowa, DeSantis' campaign said, Iowa's, we're going to win it. This is where we're planting our flag. We're going to win in Iowa. Everything's going to go our way. Well, let's see if that's happened. Uh, voters were asked in Iowa who they who they prefer. 51% said Trump. 14% says DeSantis. 6% Scott. 9% Ramaswamy. Haley, 10. Christie, 3. Pence, 1. 
yada, 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 yada. Trump is up 37 points. Okay. I, at what point do these Republicans go, you know what? Maybe we should coalesce against Trump, actually do what the voters want us to do, and then get behind him. Let's speak out against the unjust prosecutions, and let's actually represent the people and do what they've asked us to do. But they won't, because they hate him. And they're never going to stop fighting him. They're never going to give up. And this is what the people are running DeSantis' campaign are in his ear telling him. Don't give up. You know, Trump's going to get indicted. He'll be out of the picture soon, and you'll be the next guy. Ain't going to happen, folks. Trump's going to be the nominee, and he's going to beat Biden. I'm calling it right here, right now. But don't take my word for it. But, he, but he beat him last time. What are you talking about? Well, you know, we're not getting into that. We're not getting into that. But don't take my word for it. I want to bring in my next guest. He's been on the show a bunch of times before. Uh, he was a communications director for Donald Trump's campaign in 2020. He's a political strategist. He's brilliant. Tim Murtaugh is back on The David Pollack Show. Welcome to the show, sir. Jeez, David, what an introduction. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I deserve that, but I'll take it. Thank you. Oh, no, you deserve it. I mean, we've had some great conversations on the show. Um, you always have great insight. Um, and essentially, we're getting – it's funny because when you first came on, you were on my – I think you were on my first show. You've been on several was, of the shows. Yeah, your very first show. Yeah, and we've always – and we keep talking like these, these uh, topics continue to evolve. But here we are, you know, approaching, what, almost October now. And Donald Trump, and like you suggested, the math isn't there. You've said it several times. The math isn't there for anybody else. It looks like Trump's going to – and this is exactly what's happening. The math isn't there for anybody, and these indictments had only made Trump stronger. I just read the polls. You see where the direction of the country seems to be trending. And so what do you think? How, how is this primary shaping up? Who does it look – who looks like they're going to be the Republican nominee? Well, <laughs> I mean, that's the easiest question that I'll ever be asked. Yeah. I mean, it looks, it certainly looks like Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. I mean, unless something extraordinarily dramatic happens to Donald Trump as a person, as a human being, uh, I, I can't see any reason, just politically, politically speaking only, why he will not be the nominee. <clears throat> I mean, he's got a huge lead, depending on what poll you look at, it's somewhere between 35 and 55 points. Uh, over the rest of the field. In some polls, he's up over 60%. And with a field that contains, you know, eight, nine names, depending on how many they put into a poll, for, for to come in at over 60% in some polls and over 50% in all of the polls, I mean, that's it's just a dramatic, dramatic uh, lead that he's got. And I just don't see how anybody could possibly catch him. You know, and the DeSantis people and others like to point out that, oh, you know, at this point in the race, Jeb Bush had a big lead, or at this point years ago, Rudy Giuliani was actually in the lead for the Republican nomination at one point in one of these elections. But that's that's different. There was no Donald Trump in that in that race. This is different. Donald Trump has already been president once, and he is absolutely the leader of the Republican Party. He has a stranglehold on the party. Holding up Jeb Bush as an example that the polls sometimes change, that's not yeah. exactly a very good comparison, you know? Yeah. And, and I like how you said, um, barring something extreme that would happen, something personal. I mean, he's been indicted four times. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, but I count those things. I count that as being part of the political realm. I think, well, absolutely. I think the, true, the true test of this is ask yourself. Would any of this stuff be happening to Donald Trump, all these indictments in these four different jurisdictions? Would all of that be happening if he were not running for president again? Yeah. Well, and if you can if you conclude, no, none of this would have happened, then that tells you it's 100 percent political. Well, and the other question you ask yourself is, 
Uh, if Trump hasn't been indicted all of these times, do you think he would be doing so well in the polls? Uh, I mean, I still look, he's got an amazing way. I think probably the polls make him stronger than he would have been otherwise. I think that's true. But Trump has this amazing way. Something something would have occurred. He didn't have to go as far as these, all of these uh, charges on state and federal level go, all these indictments. But Trump has an amazing ability to, when he is being attacked by someone, regardless of who it is, when he is being attacked, he has an amazing way of having his supporters believe that they are the ones who are also being attacked. They feel that they are under attack as well. And every time Joe Biden goes out there and talks about MAGA Republicans and tries to call so-and-so an extremist or calls Donald Trump an extremist or something, there are tens of millions of people in this country who, who think, hey, he's talking about me. Yeah. So when Trump gets indicted, of course, they, they hug him. They wrap their arms around him. They, they, they feel like he is one of them. I mean, it is truly an amazing phenomenon. There has not been uh, an American politician like this with this kind of pull for people uh, like Donald Trump. I, I mean, I've never seen it before. I don't think anybody else has either. Oh, absolutely. And and I've, I talked about this on another show. I, I think, you know, in 2016, Donald Trump was viewed as this ultimate outsider, somebody that was not the establishment candidate, somebody that could stand on stage with the entire establishment and point fingers at them and say, the reason why we're in this mess is because of you people. He even said it at his inauguration where he says, I'm taking power from these people behind me, not from one party or the next, but I'm giving power back to you. He was the ultimate anti-establishment. They called him a populist. They called him all kinds of things. And then he was president in 2020. So it was hard to be like all of these problems. It's their fault. You know, we had COVID to deal with. There are other things that we had to deal with. I mean, there was a debt issue. And of course, you, you had to at least put some of that responsibility on Trump. He was president at the time. But then somehow through, through a gift of a poor Republican campaigning and a failed Joe Biden administration, Trump has now assumed the role of the ultimate outsider again. He's able to once again point the finger at all the Republicans on stage and Joe Biden himself and say, we're in this mess because of you. I think Trump now, if you count the extra votes he got when he ran in 2020 versus 2016, I think Trump is more popular now than ever before. And the polling suggests that I don't see how Trump doesn't win if, in fact, Biden is the nominee. So that's my next question to you is, do you think Biden is going to be the nominee? Do you think Biden sticks around? You've seen what's been going on with him. Is Biden staying around? What's going to happen in that race? Well, look, he is the incumbent president. And uh, typically, when the incumbent president decides that he wants to run for re-election, his party makes it so. You know, if, if Joe Biden and I guess then maybe maybe Joe Biden is a bigger part of this, his wife. But if, if they decide or one of them decides that he's going to run for reelection, then he will be the Democrat nominee. So I believe it's up. It's up to him. He the party. I don't think the party would actively force him out uh, because they think he's too feeble or something. He is still the president. And I think that the DNC would clear the field for him. Um, I do think that they're running into and like a lot of people speculate about how well, what if. And on the Republican side, what if Glenn Youngkin, for example, the Republican governor of Virginia, what if he got into the race and sort of took DeSantis's place as the next best challenger to Trump? I think – and the same thing would hold true on the Democrat side. I think you have to look very carefully at what the calendar says because you have to talk about getting on the ballot in 50 states across the country to run in these primaries. And how do you do that? There's all kinds of deadlines that you need to that are that you have to be aware of. There's signature gathering. There's petition gathering. The rules are different in every state, and the deadlines are coming up pretty fast. So if you're not in the race now, 
It already has people on the ground in all these states working to get signatures to get you on the ballot. There's a real good chance that no matter how much money you might bring in there with you, it's too late to get on the ballot in a lot of these states. I think a lot of people gloss over that fact that there's a process that has to occur for candidates to appear on the ballot before these primaries happen. And if you're not if you're not in there now, you might not make it. Now, but what if um, what happens if Biden becomes the nominee? Um, well, let's say he gets enough delegates pledged to him um, from winning these primaries. But then we get to the convention and he's and maybe he finally gets to the point where he's just not able to serve. What happens to those pledged delegates at that point? Can they go and 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 commit their their votes to somebody else to become the nominee? What happens if Biden can't make it um, to pass the DNC? Well, then you'd have to look at what the rules are at the Democratic National Committee. And do they have a contingency for that? And also, you know, they, they can have meet as a committee and change the rules on the spot. If the rules aren't to their liking, according to whatever the situation is, the DNC can change the rules by a vote of their committee. And, you know, so I think should something like that occur, they will they will have they will find a way there will be a mechanism uh, to have a new candidate become their standard bearer. Uh, that would be an extreme case. The party will have a way. And that has they're not they're not going to go into the 2024 2024 election with no candidate. That's not that's not going to happen. So, of course. And and this has been my theory, Tim. I have been saying that they're going to carry Biden through. They want to see what happens with Trump in some of these indictments. They want to see if they can get him off the ballot, because I think they thought that if Trump stays on the ballot of Trump versus Biden rematch is something, you know, they can they can, you know, deal with. I think if Trump was now, again, everything changes now, because if you look at the polling, I think uh, Trump and Biden, I think Trump ends up winning that matchup. But before, I think the thought was that uh, any of these other candidates, somebody like Ron DeSantis, might match up against Biden better. And they were waiting to see. But now I'm thinking and this is my theory. And again, like you said, I, I agree and I trust your opinion that if they're going to clear the field for him. But I don't think Biden is going to lose a nomination. I think he's going to win his primaries. I think somebody like Gavin Newsom is going to be sitting there, you know, at the convention, clapping, you know, going, yeah, let's let's nominate Biden. And then something happens where Biden's not able to be the nominee. And he's just sitting there going, what do you mean me? You want me to be president? Oh, shucks. Oh, OK, I guess I will. What do you think about that? Well, you know, sure, there are going to be and Gavin Newsom has certainly been trying to do things to make himself look like he could be the guy to right? take over if they, if they need him to. Sure. And I think on on the Republican side, there there were a lot of thoughts that heck, it was used to be the like the main argument that Ron DeSantis made is that I'm the one who's electable. You know, you know, I, Donald Trump can't beat Joe Biden, but I can. That's what he said. But now there's been a slew of polls, as you just pointed out, that show that Donald Trump is handily beating Joe Biden, and it shows that DeSantis is struggling against Joe Biden. So, I mean, I don't know. I, look, I will say this. this is, there's one thing that I do know that I can say with certainty. We have no idea the craziness that is in store for the 2024 election, because I know if Donald Trump is involved, there is going to be so much effort to try to throw him off, to try to get him off the ballot, to try to take him out in, in one way or another through all the lawfare that the Democrats are doing. You have we have we can't even imagine the insanity that we're going to see leading up to 2024 that November. There's no way to predict exactly what it is that we're going to see. Who could have foresaw the end of the, the way the 2020 campaign ended 
with you know through COVID and with the laptop and the suspension of the New York Post on Twitter and everybody shutting it down and calling it Russian propaganda and all turned out to be true. I mean, the whole mess. You, you just we don't know. Yeah. The craziness that's about to occur. I, I'm, it's going to be fun to watch, and I'll be glad not to be on not to be on staff when it happens. But uh, it really will be one for the ages. I, I bet you that's true. Yeah, I think that's one thing we can guarantee that it will be exciting, uh, n- no matter what. So I guess we'll stay tuned for that. Tim Murtaugh, thank you so much for being on the David Pollock Show. Hopefully, we'll see you in our post David Pollock Show Twitter space tonight. And if you are able yeah. to make it, guys, I'm I gonna- tell you. Go ahead, Kim. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna sign on to the space. Can I plug my uh, podcast, David, do you mind? Oh, please, yes, go ahead. Yeah, the Line Drive podcast. It's me and uh, former Principal Deputy White House Press Secretary Hogan Gidley, who I think a lot of your listeners probably still see on TV. Hogan's a good guy, and, and he and I and a young lady named Sonny Joy Nelson talk about the 2024 race uh, every week and uh, all the news of the day and stuff. And we, you know, we beat up on Biden pretty good a lot of the time. So Line Drive podcast wherever you find your podcast. Yeah, guys. Check, yeah, you. well, absolutely. Yeah, guys, check out Line Drive Podcast. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'd love to have you on. Love to have hey, you on, Dave. Hey, said that last time. We're going to make it happen this time. We're going to make yeah. it happen. We're, our people are going to talk to each other, and we're going to make it a thing. So oh, I didn't. I didn't know you had people. No, I don't. Okay. I don't. I just want to sound like a big deal on the radio. <laughs> yeah, but listen, guys. If you want to hear more from Tim, it, you check out the Line Drive Podcast. But. Also, go to that Twitter space, Twitter X space tonight, 8.30 p.m. after the David Pollock Show. You go to my handle, at The Pollock Show, because I can't fit all the characters. So, at The Pollock Show. And we'll be on from 8.30 till whenever Tim's going to be on there. We're going to be continuing to dissect the news, talking about politics. You will not find somebody smarter or better equipped to answer all of your questions um, than Mr. Murtaugh. So, thank you so much for being on the show. I look forward to chatting with you later, sir. And uh, we'll talk real soon. You bet. Thanks, David. Thank you. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break, and we come back. We're going to talk about Iowa. More things going on there other than just football, so don't go anywhere. When I do, he turns away again. Business owners, are you sick of dealing with those big-name telecommunications companies that leave you frustrated with terrible customer service and then lock you into long-term contracts? That's why I want to introduce you to my friends over at Public Telephone Company. They are an industry-leading VOIP provider offering all-in-one business communication solutions that are completely contract-free with competitive pricing. But perhaps the best part, they're all about supporting their customers with U.S.-based customer service and they're always willing to go the extra mile. Don't let your phone company drive you mad. Call Public Telephone Company today at 877-314-4080 or visit them at publictelephonecompany.com. That's publictelephonecompany.com. Hey friends, David Pollock here. If you're craving the best soft serve ice cream around, Topper's Creamery's got you covered. Serving the Apopka community for over a decade, Topper's is known for the finest old-fashioned custard-style soft-serve ice cream in a variety of flavors, from their French vanilla bean to exciting specials like German chocolate cake. But the experience doesn't end there. Be sure to grab a fresh-baked waffle cone or a sundae topped with my favorite, the fresh-baked brownies. They even offer pup cups for your four-legged friends. So hurry in to Topper's Creamery in Apopka, South 512 Hunt Club Road. Make sure to Tell him David sent you. Welcome back to the David Pollock 
show, the most exciting hour of talk radio on a Monday night. Guys, we've covered a lot. We talked about 9-11. We've talked about Biden in Vietnam. We've talked about maybe Gavin Newsom in a brokered convention. We heard some really good stuff from Tim Murtaugh about what he thinks is happening, and I would trust what he says. He's one of the smartest in the business. But now we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about Iowa, not Trump flipping burgers. I'm surprised he hasn't been um, indicted for that. They, they could have assumed he was stealing hamburgers. I joked on my Twitter the other day that it was uh, him and the Hamburglar were colluding oh. and there was going to be another RICO investigation in Iowa. But no, see, here's the thing. And everybody's in Iowa, right? I think DeSantis moved to Iowa. I don't know why he didn't run for governor of Iowa. So DeSantis is in Iowa. Trump is in Iowa. I, I, Christie could be there. I don't know. He might not have made it out of the tailgate. But here's oh, the, he's there. He's eating the hamburger. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was pissed. He's like, give me one of burgers. So anyway, the media is making this big deal, right? Because, and I'm sure you guys have seen this. The media is making a big deal that there was some booze or maybe a guy flipped the bird to Trump at the Iowa game. The media is playing uh, this clip, and this is going to be cut three, Gabe. This is what you're hearing. But Iowa. This was when they, this is what the media wants you to think it sounded like when Donald Trump was at the game in Iowa. That's what the media say. He's booed. Guys, it's proof. Everyone hates Trump. Forget these polls. But do you want to know what it really sounded like? This is cut to, this is when Trump actually entered the stadium. This isn't the clip that's circulating. This is when Trump entered the stadium. Packed house. Hear that? USA. They're cheering. They're chanting. Then he was at a frat house. Here's what it sounded like outside of the frat house. This is cut one. This is what it sounded like outside of the frat house. Right? I don't hear any booze. No. Mm -mm. Why does the media play this clip? Right? They love Donald Trump. That's the reality. In Iowa, they love Donald Trump. The polls I just read to you show that they love Donald Trump, but the media will have you believe that they hate Donald Trump. You heard booze, right, guys? But the funny thing is this. <laughs> Let's compare to what it sounded like when Joe Biden was at a college football game. Yeah, that's not Gabe messing up. Um, there is actually no audio of Biden at a college football game because uh, he's never been to a, a, a college football game. Do you want to know why? This is what it would sound like uh, if Joe Biden went to a college football game. That's cut four. Remember this? Colleges throughout the South. So you won't see, I mean, I'd rather be booed, to be honest with you, than have 70,000 college students chanting, F me. Um, so you won't hear Donald, I mean, Joe Biden at a football game. But let's let's focus on the few boos, right? Let's convince people that Trump isn't as popular as he is. Do you want to hear an interesting fact? Sure. Um, you know the Army-Navy game? He hasn't even been as president. He hasn't been to the Army-Navy game. 
as U.S. president. He went as vice president in 2012. Trump attended the game uh, from 2016 to 2020. Uh, he Harry Truman attended for six years. George W. Bush attended. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt attended. Woodrow Wilson attended. Calvin Coolidge. Gerald Ford. John F. Kennedy. Bill Clinton. Barack Obama. You know who hasn't attended? Joe Biden. Because he knows what the crowd would sound like. They have done a very good job of keeping Biden out of public because the country hates him. Well, the reason for that, if you go to thewhitehouse.org, yeah. you can actually see that was his vacation date. No. That's the reason why he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think most of his dates are vacation dates. I think he's on vacation today in Alaska, probably salmon fishing or whatever he's doing up there instead of honoring um, the victims of 9-11 because he couldn't be trusted to do it. Um, you want to hear something funny? Let's let's go back to Iowa real quick. Um, by the way, here is uh, Ron DeSantis. Um, in Iowa's cut five. You guys doing good? <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> He's sitting in his car. That's the that's the video from the actual DeSantis. That's people. creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey guys, you doing good? Yeah, but what you don't hear in the background is always like, <laughs> there's like, so look, let's just cut to charade. Um, DeSantis, I don't know who you hired for your campaign team, but they did not do for you uh, what you hoped they would do. Um, you're not gaining in the poll. And look, I love you as governor. I do. Man, there wasn't a governor in the country I would rather have than Ron DeSantis right. during COVID. Everybody in the world wanted to move to Florida, Florida, because Ron DeSantis was governor. That's right. Best governor in America during COVID. He he stopped with all the nonsense. He reopened businesses. He wouldn't allow them to mandate masks or vaccines. He didn't lock places. People wanted to live in Florida because of Ron DeSantis. I don't know what's happened since he decided he was going to run for president, but his reputation, his stellar reputation, is, is I think, not consistent with the way he's been campaigning. And um, as you go around the country, you're starting to see that mood sort of shift yeah. from one of love to, you know, eh, he's kind of look establishment-y, right? With the vest and the boots and, you know, it's, it's, it's not the best look. Meanwhile, back at home, you know, it's hurricane season. Our insurance rates are out of control. Um, insurers are still leaving the state. Everybody's upset. People are getting dropped every single day. Uh, you can't sue your insurance company anymore because they changed those rules. It seems like the special interests are getting their way, and Floridians are sitting here like, dude, what's going on? I think DeSantis would do well to come back home to Florida, fix this insurance crisis that's going on in the state, really make a name for himself in the last couple of years of his term as governor. Right. And then run again in 2028 because Trump is going to be the nominee in 2024. He's kind of ruining himself right now. Right. He's just, it's like premature. He should have just waited to 2028. Right. And he's just like, it's it's comical, the stuff that's coming out. You guys doing good? That's the best best thing we got from him? Right. You guys doing good right. sitting in this car? Right. But it, you're right about his people. His people are just uh, a disaster. And he's had to go through so many of them. Um, you know, his fundraising is, is suffering now. And his biggest jump in the polls is when he first announced. And he's been on a downward decline ever since. I mean, Tim Scott's catching up to him. Nikki Haley's catching up to him. By the way, it doesn't matter who's catching up to him. Nobody's going to be Trump. You heard Tim Murtaugh. Right. Nobody's going to catch. So at what point do you – because Ron DeSantis, out of all of these clowns that are, tr that are challenging Donald Trump for the nomination, Ron DeSantis is the one that has the most potential, the biggest future. Why throw it all away? Exactly. I, I don't get it. And, and and that's the thing I don't get. Ram Swamy somehow has figured out a way. This guy was a Democrat. 
He figured out a way, now as a Republican, to run alongside Trump. He's defended him in the courthouse in Miami. He spoke out against the prosecutions. He looks like a real leader. He looks like a guy that he's not going to win the nomination, but somebody who walks away from this with you not feeling too bad about it. He makes a name for himself. He might even be vice president. Who knows? But at least people like him. Right. DeSantis is going the opposite direction. I think he needs to do a better job of rebranding, and I think there's still time. But um, I don't know. I don't know, Governor. I, I really love what you've done for the state. I think it's time to come back home, prepare for 2028. Uh, I think the state still loves you. Um, but I tell you what, having your campaign go out and attack Trump supporters <laughs> instead of Trump is not going to be the way to get a lot of Trump supporters, many of whom live in Florida, back on your side. So uh, maybe it's time to come together on this anniversary of 9-11. With that, thank you for tuning in to The Dave Pollock Show. Make sure you go and check out The Dave Pollock Show. Post so space on Twitter X and tune in every week, Monday night, 7 p.m. Thanks for joining. Good night. Just to do your-